Welcome to the First Assembly of God podcast, a ministry of First Assembly of God in Greencastle, Pennsylvania, where we are passionately pursuing His will, His way. You can find out more about us on our website, greencastle-firstassembly.org. Now, let's dive into today's podcast. So we're studying the book of Acts. The theme is a spirit-empowered church. God is raising us up to be a spirit-empowered church. He's been doing that for for 2,000 years, amen? Since that day of Pentecost when he poured out his Holy Spirit, he's raising up today a spirit-empowered church. And uh, some questions that we're asking in the series as we read through the book of Acts, as we study through it, how did the church begin and how did it reach the lost so effectively? Have you ever thought that, like, how in the world did that happen, and how the church and, and uh, reaching people, what was it like to be a Christian in those days, in those early days? You know, we think about our situation today, but what was it like that? What, what were the struggles that they had to overcome and they had to encounter? And uh, does Jesus still have a plan and a purpose for his church today, you know? Maybe that's a question you've asked. Well, that was then, but what about now? What about today? What is God's plan for us as a church? And so the book of Acts, we are studying through, covers about 30 years of church history from the formation of the church, the development, the growth, the expansion of the church. Acts 1.8, which we'll touch on today, is, is a key verse in understanding the entire book of Acts. It says this, but you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so as we study through Acts, you'll see that progression from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. It's a geographical progression to the ends of the earth. And one thing that we found out is that the book of Acts doesn't have a nice, neat ending to it. You know, the the gospel accounts have a nice conclusion, you know, a nice concluding paragraph, and this is what takes place. But the book of Acts just ends. And uh, I was listening to the book of Acts uh, in an audio version, and all of a sudden, it just ends. It's like, wait, there should be like an ending to it, a conclusion, and no, this is the end of the book of Acts. Like, because why? Why does the Holy Spirit just end it so abruptly? Because to the ends of the earth is still our mission today. Jesus is still calling his church to, to spread the good news. And the God, it didn't end with Paul, right? It's still going. The gospel is still moving forward, still going forward. And so um, Thomas Trask, one of our uh, former general superintendents, wrote this about the book of Acts. He says, the early church of the book of Acts is a model for the Pentecostal church of the 21st century. In Acts, students discover the ingredients that caused the early church to grow and become a powerful force to affect their society. Have you ever been frustrated with your culture, your society, and you wonder, like, what could, what could I do? What could I do to change? Well, the book of Acts might be a key for us. He says this, they were a people, the early church, were a people of prayer, the word, fellowship, evangelism, and discipleship. They were committed to spreading the good news about Jesus. And he says this, he says, no wonder the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we are in the book of Acts. We're in chapter one, and uh, we're spending a little extra time here in chapter one. Last week, we covered the first five verses. 
Today we're going to pick up with verse 6 in the book of Acts. Last week uh, we learned this. We learned from uh, the first five verses that a church that is spirit-empowered is a church that is rooted in God's Word, and the Word of God. That we don't add to His Word, we don't take away from His Word, we don't say, well, there's another book that's just as important as His Word. No, the, His Word is what we, we, we root our lives, we root our, our church, we root our beliefs, our convictions on His Word, amen? Uh, spirit-empowered church is an obedient church. You know, we say here, his will, his way. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, when he leads us, when he guides us, we want to do what he says. Uh, We don't want to just do what's popular or what everyone else is doing. We want to do what he says and what his word says. Uh, Spirit of Power Church is is hungry for all that God has. Is hungry for all that God has. So that was last week, what we learned from uh, those first five verses. Let's start with Acts chapter 1. And verse number six, before we do, let's bow our heads and pray today. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is life, it's truth, it's the bedrock that we build our lives, we build our faith upon the word of God. So Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, help us to understand your word, help us to apply and obey your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 6, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And if you remember, last week we looked about we, we looked at the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, You need to, to be aware, you need to stay here, wait in Jerusalem, because the promise of of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit is coming. And what does it do? It elicits their, their they remember the Old Testament. They remember the prophecies. They, they knew the prophecies of the Old, the Old Testament, of the restoration of Israel, the restoration of the promised land, the outpouring of God's Spirit. They knew that the, God's promise to Abraham included his seed and the blessing of all nations. And so all these prophecies, the prophecies of Ezekiel, and that he was that the Lord would reinstate uh, Israel to its land, that the nations would gather and come to Israel. All these prophecies, and they're saying, Jesus, is it this time? Is is now the time where you're going to bring your kingdom and all of its glory, and you're going to rule and you're going to reign? And they had some questions for Jesus. Ezekiel thirty six is one of those prophecies. It says this. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to protect my holy name on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. 
He says this, he goes on further, and you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will cleanse you of filthy behavior. I will give you good crops of grain. I will send no more famines on the land. I will give you great harvest from your fruit trees, and never again will the surrounding nations be able to scoff at your land for its famines. Then you will remember your past sins and despise yourselves. Uh, yourselves for all the detestable things you did. But remember, says the sovereign Lord, I am not doing this because you deserve it. Oh, my people of Israel, you should be utterly ashamed of all you have done. This is what the Lord says. When I cleanse you, I will repopulate your cities and the ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that you used to lie empty and desolate and plain will be in plain view of everyone will again be farmed. And I will bring you back, people will say, this former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. The, the abandoned, the ruined cities now have strong walls and filled with people. Skip down to verse 37. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am ready to hear Israel's prayers and to increase their numbers like a flock. The, they will be as numerous as the sacred flocks that fill Jerusalem's streets at the time of her festivals. The ruined cities will be crowded with people once more and everyone will know that I am the Lord. These prophecies, the, the, the apostles were, they were aware, the disciples were aware of that one day that, that, that the king of kings will come to restore everything as intended. Yes. And they said, Jesus, is, is this the time? Is, is this when this is going to take place? They were ready for the full consummation of God's kingdom, the restoration of Israel, the restoration of the land, the removal of sin, the restoration of the Davidic throne, the pouring out of the Spirit, the restoration of the temple. They were ready. What was Jesus' reply? Verse 7, he says this. Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. They are not for you to know. God the Father is the only one who knows all things and has the wisdom to take all things into account. Therefore, the times and dates are his business, not ours. Maybe some of you have have heard of the different stories throughout history of people setting dates and, well, Jesus is coming back in 1982 and, no, Jesus come back in 1984 and Y2K, that's when Jesus is coming back. Y2K, it means, you know, Jesus is coming, you know, and on and on and 18, all the, the, throughout history, there's been all kinds of people setting dates and times and, but they forget that verse that no one knows, no one knows the time. We might sense it soon, you know, we might sense, oh, it could be here at any moment, it could be now, and the disciples are like, is it now, Jesus? He said, you know what, that's not really your call, it's not your business, that's the Father's business. When he's ready, he'll tell me, and uh, it'll happen. Matthew 24, verse 36, however, No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. I'd encourage you to read Matthew 24. It talks about all the, the, the things that will be going on in the last days of wars and rumors of war and famines and earthquakes. All these things that we say, well, you know, it's kind of happening now. But no one knows. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour when all these things will happen. Only 
the Father knows. He says this in Matthew 24, 42. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Verse, 20, verse 44 of chapter Matthew 24, he says, You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. What can we learn from this? When, when the disciples, the apostles say, is this the time? And Jesus says, no, well, you know, it's up to the Father. What can we learn from this? How about a spirit-empowered church knows and trusts that God is in control? Knows and trusts that God is in control. We can get, we can get all kind of worked up about the details. What's going to happen here? Or how's it going to happen? And, and it's going to be this chronological order. We get our charts and our maps out. And we know this happened. This scripture says this and this happened. And so in uh, two years from now, it'll be about this time. And we can get all worked up with the details. But we're not in control. It's not up to us. We're not the one calling, okay. All right, Father, I think now is to be a good time. You know, things are getting pretty bad down here, and uh, I think now it's time to let Jesus come. And No, it's not up to us. He's in control, right? We know, we trust that God is in control. It's not our job to set dates. That's God's job. Our job, we say, well, what is our job? It's found in the next verse. Their, their response to the promise of the Father was, like, well, okay, is this the time? Is this when it's all going to happen? And he says, that's not for you. And he says in verse 8, this is, this is your job. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he's saying, hey, the promise, the prophecies, is talking about the Spirit. This is what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. The Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our job, our call, our mission is to be his spirit-empowered witnesses everywhere we go. Your school, your workplace, your home, your community, your club, your sports team, whatever God's placed you, you can be his witness. When Jesus first gave this promise, he was standing on the Mount of Olives. And if you can picture this, Mount of Olives is outside of Jerusalem, just outside of Jerusalem. It's a hill looking out on the east side of the old city and at its highest point, it's about 200 feet higher than the temple area. So imagine Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives overlooking the temple, overlooking Jerusalem. And what does he see beyond? He sees Judea and the regions of Samaria. And then he can see the, the ends of the earth. He can see the, on the horizon just keep going and going. And he's telling his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he's giving them a visual. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and what if he pointed at the temple and, and in Judea and Samaria? And, and what if he just says, and to the ends of the earth? The mission continues. The mission is for today. 
People say, oh, that ended with the scripture and that's no longer. They did it. They did it all and now we're just here to, this is the, the heavenly kingdom right now and, and we, don't, we have no more responsibilities and we're just going to wait for Jesus to come and, you know, this. No, the, the ends of the, there's so many people that still have never heard the name of Jesus. They've never heard the good news of why Jesus came and why he died and why he rose again. They've never heard the gospel. And so the mission continues to say, well, you might say, well, why has Jesus not come back yet? Because the mission is still not complete. If you study church history, that's one of the reasons why the, the missionary movement was birthed, because the church had grown so complacent. Well, the apostles, they fulfilled that. We don't have any, that's no responsibility to us. We're just going to be here, and this is the, the, the church kingdom now, and they had no vision for, for reaching the lost. And then there was a few people that had a burden for the lost. They were a burden for nations that still had never heard, that had never even had, a, had the Bible in their own language. There's still language groups today that don't have the Scripture in their own language. Could it be that Jesus was showing his disciples that the fire of the gospel would first start to burn in Jerusalem before spreading out into the countryside west and north of the city, then further into the lands bordering the Gentile world and onward into those nations where God's name was not known? The book of Acts is even structured that way. The first seven chapters focus on Jerusalem and so you read through Acts 1 through 7 it's 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 the Holy Spirit's work through the church in Jerusalem and then Acts chapters 8 through 12 we see this Holy Spirit breaking down the barriers in Judea and Samaria and then Acts chapter 13 and all the way to the end we see the gospel going beginning to go towards the ends of the earth and as we said, Acts doesn't have this nice ribbon closing. It's just this abrupt ending because the Spirit is still sending out His church today to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, a strategic location. Ezekiel says it this way. Ezekiel 5.5, 5, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. If you study that passage, Ezekiel here is a prophetic picture of judgment upon Jerusalem for its sin, for its rebellion against God. They had abandoned God. They had abandoned his laws and his decrees. And he says, you know what, you're situated right here for a purpose. You're right here in the middle of all the nations. It was a picture of God's judgment that was going to come on Jerusalem. But Acts 1.8 is a picture, a prophetic picture of salvation for the world starting in Jerusalem. There was a point where he would bring judgment upon Jerusalem for their sin, but then there was coming a point where God was going to bring restoration and salvation to the world through Jerusalem. You might say, well, you don't know where I've been, pastor, in my past, and my mistakes, and this. God knows. 
God's people throughout the Old Testament were failing, and, but God's calling. He's, he wants to forgive you. He wants to send you on a mission for him. God loves to give second and third and fourth chances for people. He doesn't give up on you. To the ends of the earth, from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There's a powerful missionary sending movement in China today called Back to Jerusalem. And I'm going to share a little bit about that today. I've actually been in communication with some of them, and we might be able to have an opportunity to have some of them come and share. I'm reading, I just finished listening to a great book I'd recommend to you. If you want to see the book of Acts in modern happening today, you can read, uh, it's called The Heavenly Man. By bro- it's brother, uh, his name's Brother Yun, Y-U-N is his testimony. He's a, a Chinese pastor, evangelist, who spent years in prison in China for just simply preaching the gospel. And his stories is like the book of Acts today. You know, all stories, powerful stories. I'll share some of them throughout this series but uh, uh, as you read through Book of Acts, if you're looking for other uh, resources, that would be a great book you can read. I actually listen to it. That's, uh, I actually like doing that because the author, just the way that his inflection and things. But that's called The Heavenly Man. You can read that. But uh, back to Jerusalem. It's a vision of the Chinese church. Um, many Christians in China... They see the westward spread of the gospel starting in Jerusalem in Acts 1.8. They see it spreading from Jerusalem to, to western to southern Europe and then on to central and northern and western Europe then into the southern Mediterranean countries in northern Africa. Eventually the gospel spreading to central and southern Africa to the Americas, to the islands of the South Pacific, to Australia, to New Zealand, to parts of Asia on the Pacific Rim, and eventually coming to Korea and the Philippines in eastern China and southeast China and then to mainland China. And now there's thousands of Christians in China who are being set out of China as missionaries to complete the Great Commission. It's a vision called Back to Jerusalem. They, they see this picture of the, the revival's fires blowing from Jerusalem to the west and coming back and coming through China and then going through the, what's called the 1040 window. You think of all the countries of Pakistan and India and the Middle East and all these countries, some of them have never heard the gospel. Within this region, though, is the three largest spiritual strongholds yet to be reached by the gospel. Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. And the church in China has a vision to reach all those areas for Jesus. To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. To complete the Great Commission. We say, well... Man, that is, that's impossible. How could that ever happen? Matthew 19, 26. Jesus' words are still so true. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Today, the Holy Spirit continues to be poured out. The gospel of Jesus continues to spread to the ends of the earth. 
Acts 1.8 didn't stop with the early church. It continues today. The Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. A Spirit-empowered church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, so must we. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. The mission is too great. The calling is too difficult for us to think that we can do it in our own strength and in our own power. We need the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us every single day. Question for each of us to, to ask ourselves is, am I plugged into the power source today? Am I plugged into God's power source today or am I running on my own batteries? Am I operating in the power of the Holy Spirit or am I operating in my own flesh? We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own power. We need the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own flesh. We need the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. He empowers the church. The second thing is a Spirit-empowered church is empowered to proclaim the good news of Jesus. There's a purpose to the power. I think we got a little sidetracked in some of our Pentecostal history where Early on, there was the revival fires and the power of the Holy Spirit and sent people out to be missionaries and pastors and leaders and churches. And I think somewhere in our history, we got a little sidetracked. And the focus became on the the goosebumps and the the signs and the the displays, which, you know, comes with the power of the Holy Spirit, comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. But that's not the purpose of the... Holy Spirit. That's not the purpose of the power. The purpose is to be his witness. The purpose of God's power is to be his witness. It's about Holy Spirit empowered ministry that brings salvation and brings transformation to the lost. It's about bringing people into the kingdom of God, seeing their lives changed for eternity. That's something we can't do in our own strength, in our own power. That is only done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone awake today? You with me? Amen. Do we need to do jumping jacks? Come on. I know we're going, we're going d- deep into his word. I hope we're, we're staying with it. The next thing is this. A spirit-empowered church is empowered to spread the gospel globally. 
spread the gospel globally. It's still our mission directive today. Question for you, will, you be a, will we be a witness for Jesus in our Jerusalem, in our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? I want to kind of conclude with what are some practical ways that we can help spread the gospel globally today? We might think, oh, that's, that's for someone else, or that's for those who are called to be missionaries, or what, what are ways that we can spread the gospel globally? What are ways that we can be engaged in Acts 1a and seeing the, the, the Spirit come upon us to help us to be His witnesses? Three words we usually say with missions is pray, give, and go, and those are still adequate. We'll, we'll talk about those. Pray. We can pray for missionaries to be raised up. We can pray for missionaries on the field. Right now is a, a really tricky time for missionaries. You know, we have a missionary in Ukraine. They actually had to come back here to the States because of all the craziness happening there in Ukraine. Uh, missionaries around the world is trying to raise support. Some are stuck in uh, one country. Their visas aren't getting through because of COVID and all the screening and things. So it's a great time to pray for missionaries. There's a lot of missionaries that felt the call of missions, and man, they're just not able to raise the budget. There's churches that are shut down, or they only have online, or this or that. It's just really difficult right now. For, so pray for missionaries in the field. Pray for the lost. Pray for a harvest of souls to be one for Jesus. If the Lord lays a country or a nation or a people group on your heart, pray for them. Pray for workers. We can even include fasting in there. Maybe there's a, a meal that you're gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay away from this one meal a week and I'm just gonna pray for the law. I'm gonna pray for the nations. I'm gonna pray for missionaries. Pray. Give. We can give to missions. This church, we're great, at, we're great to give to missionary support that's so needed. We can give to agencies and missionaries that are spreading the gospel. That's a, a great responsibility that we have. I see as American church, that's a, a great role that we have with the resources that we have to, to give and to be a blessing to the, to the gospel, to missions. Go. We can go. We can go and be a missionary. Maybe God will call up me who raise up missionaries from this church long term maybe short term missions hey I'm going to give two years of my life to be a missionary or maybe I'm going to say you know wherever I'm at I'm going to be on mission at school at home at my job in my family I'm going to live my life on mission and the last thing I want to I want to mention is maybe something something I, I alluded to earlier today and Maybe something we overlook because I know as Christians we can kind of get kind of focused on certain things and negative about certain things, but can we utilize the resources and the technologies out there for the gospel? There's people we can reach through the internet and through streaming and that we could never reach just in person. So, Yes, there are a lot of negatives to technology. There's a lot of things to be careful of, and I'm not saying just go and be a part of everything, but if you're on there, if you have a platform, could you use that platform for the gospel? Would there be a purpose for that? Just like I said, Paul, the Apostle Paul, walked the Roman roads. Those roads were used to brutalize and crucify Christians and lock people up and all that he could have. All he could say, well, I'm not going to walk on those roads. 
Those were paid by the Roman Empire. They were killing people. They are brutalizing people. But Paul walked those same roads to share the gospel. He got in those same boats to preach the gospel, to go to the nations. Your website can point people to Jesus. Your Facebook page can point people to Jesus. Your YouTube channel, your Insta stories, your tweets, your TikToks, whatever, your, your rumbles, your getter, whatever you're on. can point people to Jesus. God is raising up a spirit-empowered church today that knows, that trusts, that God is in control. A church that's empowered, not in their own strength, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. A church that is empowered to proclaim the good news of Jesus And a church that's not afraid to take his gospel globally. We shared last year about uh, the vision of taking the gospel here from Greencastle to Guangzhou. What if God gave us a vision for the nations? Shaking the nations for the gospel. Jesus can do it again, Amen? amen? He can use us to be prayer warriors for the gospel. He can use us to go and be missionaries. He can use us to give to missions. He can use us to use whatever resources we have to share the good news of Jesus. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? Where is the Holy Spirit directing you today? Is it in the area of control? Maybe you've tried to be in control, but God says, I'm in control. Relinquish. The Holy Spirit would say, relinquish your control to me. Surrender. Will you lay it all down for Jesus? Will you give it all up for Jesus? I've been challenged just hearing stories of what God's been doing in China and they'll pass around an offering plate and there'll be people that have nothing. And so what they do, they just stand in the offering plate. They'll say, I don't have any money, but you have me, God. I don't have any riches, but God, I, can you use me? Jesus, would you use us? Would you use our lives, our voices, our areas of influence? To see the gospel continue to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus, would you again 
Empower your church by your Holy Spirit to be your witnesses. Not to be your finger pointers or your condemners. Not to be your judges, but to be your witnesses. You're raising your church up to be your witnesses, Lord. for someone today that you've maybe you've been real good at pointing fingers maybe good at looking down but Jesus is calling you to be his witness his witness someone that's been changed by Jesus someone that knows that Jesus can change anyone. Jesus, would you bring transformation through your people? But maybe today just needs to start with your people, Jesus. Maybe there's someone today that just needs the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's been about Sundays, it's been about rituals, it's been about maybe a number of things, but maybe it hasn't been about, always been about Jesus. Jesus, would you grab a hold of each of our hearts? Help us to know it's only about you, Jesus. It's always only been about you, Jesus. And if it ever becomes about anything else, Jesus, that we need to repent, we need to turn away, and we, say, we need to come back and say, Jesus, it's about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about your glory. It's about your honor. It's not about my opinions or my preferences or what I like or dislike, it's about Jesus. It's about His will. It's about His way. So Jesus, would you have your way in us, in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our marriages. Maybe you'd be honest and say, you know, maybe my marriage isn't where it should be. The Holy Spirit, he, he wants to heal marriages. He wants to restore relationships. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. You can do all the exercises. You can have all the date nights. You can do all the things on the outward. But if it doesn't start with Jesus, it's not going to bring transformation. So the best way to heal a marriage is to start by getting on your knees with Jesus. Say, Jesus, would you heal my heart? Jesus, would you forgive my sin? Jesus, would you take away my pride? Jesus, would you fill me with your 
Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you empower me with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? If we would all do that, man, with our marriages, our relationships would be transformed, would be healed. Jesus, would you do that in my heart? Would you do that in my life? Jesus, draw each of us closer and closer to you. stand together and just offer ourselves to Jesus today. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus he's calling Thank you, Jesus, for calling us, for loving us, forgiving us. Jesus, thank you for using us for your kingdom, for your glory, for your honor. Lord, pray your blessing upon each person each household each family each marriage 
each child, each adult today. Lord, that we would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That we would be your witnesses everywhere we go. There'll be some who stay local. There'll be some that go out into the regions around. Maybe some that go to a different state. There'll be some who go to the nations. Would you raise us up, Jesus, to be a spirit-empowered church that reaches our Jerusalem and our Judea our Samaria and is focused on the ends of the earth for your glory, for your honor, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for gathering and worshiping with us today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and share it with those you know. Our prayer is that you will find true and lasting life in a relationship with Jesus and that you will live to do His will, His way, for His glory.